Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, not only another edition, but another week of the program, and hope you had a really nice weekend as we settle back into uh, all things happening uh, in the world around us and looking at life through the lens of Scripture and uh, kicking things off with an analysis, balance, and clarity segment um, that I think will hopefully uh, provide uh, some clarification as to what it's like to live in one of the greatest states of the nation, uh, that we also now refer to as the People's Republic of California. I'm, I'm only chuckling because when you look at the numbers and look at the statistics, there's not a whole lot of analysis, balance, and clarity that you need to do on this next story. It's just pretty much what it is. I mean, it is what it is. And you know, it's interesting. I, I got a, a really, I've had a couple of nice emails over the past couple of weeks from people who are enjoying the analysis, balance, and clarity segments of the program. I wanted to address a couple of them here before we dive into the story because um, we don't always talk a lot about email. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, compared to other radio programs that I listen to and podcasts and things like that, we don't get a ton of email. I mean, you listen to the program, you like it, you call in during the call-in segments or for giving something away, let us know how you feel. And that's pretty much it. I mean, over the course of the past 11 years, I mean, if you like it, you stay with us. If you don't, you don't, and you move on. I mean, that's, and I think it's, it's kind of a cool relationship, not one of those ones we ever take for granted every now and again we'll do a call in like a couple weeks ago when the question was raised um you know the town hall uh, straw poll at the cpac convention and um whether or not donald trump would be the nominee and the overwhelming consensus was that if donald trump did decide to run that he would be the odds-on favorite and so we had a lot of people calling in that day. I said, I don't think he should run. And, you know, wow, what do you mean? He was a great president. I'm not saying that he didn't do great things in the White House. He also did some things that I didn't find to be very presidential, in all honesty, like the way he handled the election. Uh, you know, and we talked about this, the way that he handled the uh, results of the election. If he had done what President 44 had done, um, he would, you know, the next day after Trump was declared the winner, uh, there was a meeting in the Oval Office. President Obama, Vice President Biden addressed the nation and said, we're going to aid the peaceful, smooth transition. And then they set about planning all sorts of Russian collusion hoaxes. I mean, they literally did some devious, horrible things behind the scenes. They just didn't do it in front of the public eye. And Donald Trump was on TV every 15 seconds saying they robbed me, they ripped me off, knowing that the media was going to say he says it was a steal and it's really a lie because he's lying and this, that and the other thing. It's, it's taken us years to figure out exactly what happened. Molly Hemingway has a great book called Rigged that explains the whole thing. Newsweek ran a 20-page article or whatever it was explaining, I mean, almost talking about how they saved the nation in their estimation by doing all the rigging that they did, having these, you know, justices at, at state Supreme Courts issue uh, Ill, basically what turned out to be illegal verdicts. I mean, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, the list goes on. Even in Georgia, the whole idea that Donald Trump allegedly... Uh, tried to threaten Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and said, find me some votes, when the actual quote, if you listen to the audio that was subsequently released, yes, there was a phone call, and he said, basically, Brad, if you go back and recount and you throw away the ones that are illegal, I'm sure you will find more votes for me. He, he wasn't saying this is an order, but since the media went with it, then all of a sudden he looks like a bad guy. So, I mean, it's just doing these analysis, balance, and clarity segments is very helpful i think for all of us but at the same time it's interesting how it is responded to in in our congregation if you will because on that day we talked about whether or not the president should be reelected, and i said i just don't think he should run i mean if he runs it's a whole different story but if he you know i don't think he should and we had a lot of people who are very vocal on the phones that day 
saying, oh, wait, he should, he should, he should. And then I got some emails from people afterwards saying, hey, thanks for bringing that up because I've been wondering whether or not it would be a good idea for him to run again in 24 anyway. And, you know, and so then I got a couple emails over the weekend saying, hey, how come you're so supportive of Donald Trump? And I'm like, oh, this is good. And it's really good. I mean, because one of the things that we're trying to get to is we're trying to get to clarity on an issue and not to, you know, confuse the, the issue with a bunch of feelings or, you know, even facts that don't pertain to the situation. Uh, in case you were wondering, my position on Donald Trump running for president in 2024 is I don't think he should. I think it'd be better for the nation and the Republican Party if he didn't. However, if he's on the ticket and it's him against Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or whatever, there's no question who I'm voting for. I mean, that, 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 I'll say that today here on August 15th, 2022. I will say that again on November 8th, 2022 and, and beyond. So it is interesting. So uh, thank you for you know, all the response we've gotten over the past couple of weeks. I know it's a hot button issue. And also another hot button issue, too, is something in the analysis. We had a wonderful call from a, a listener a couple of weeks ago who said, you know, I know you do analysis, balance and clarity segments. But when you refer to the presidents by number instead of by name, I have a hard time tracking. And I will be honest with you. I'm right there with you. So the question is, why do I use the numbers instead of the names? And that's a very, very fair question. And I think it, in all the years we've been doing the program, and I've used numbers instead of names, it's amazing how many people um, don't ask that question, why do you use numbers instead of names? The answer is really very simple. When you look at the policies of certain presidents, I'm a big fan of these, uh, they're kind of hidden camera moments or wherever where somebody from a late night television program or just you know maybe it's uh, someone from prager university or whatever they'll go out to a, a group of people who are supposedly enlightened if you will you know college students or you know the elitists or you know, people who people who like to think that they know better i think the smartest people around are the people who know they don't to be honest with you i don't know everything i'm on a lifelong journey to learn until the lord calls me home and when he does then we're going to know everything. But for right now, it's like, okay, well, there's stuff you need to know and stuff you don't need to know. First Corinthians, one of the best verses in 1 Corinthians 13. It isn't the love part, you know, if I spoke with the tongues of men and angels. Even I, my favorite verse in 1 Corinthians 13 had been, for many, many years, had been the beginning of Paul saying, let me show you a more excellent way in verse 1. It's kind of the tail end of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And then it, uh, you know, flows nicely into 1 Corinthians 13. But now, these days, my, my new favorite verse out of 1 Corinthians 13 is 1 Corinthians 13, 12, where Paul this is at verse 10, or verse 9, Paul says, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but what is perfect, when what is perfect comes, the partial will be set aside. Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set aside childish ways. The call is to have a childlike faith, not childish faith. Then verse 12, for now we see in a mirror indirectly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have been fully known. It's ominous to think that at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to find out how well God knows you. Right now, please know that you and I are fully known. God knows everything about us. He is omniscient. There is not one thought 
that you have thought. There's not one word that you've spoken. That's not one action that you have taken that he does not know about. There's not one motive that you and I have that God is not aware of. And so toward that end, when we get stuck on the minutia of one small little detail, one little thing that might keep us from growing deeper in our knowledge of what's really going on in the world around us, then God knows that we're about to get tempted by the enemy who's going to trip us up at just one point. And trust me, the one place in politics that I have seen where the enemy likes to trip brothers and sisters in Christ up is in the identity part, the personality part. I just don't like him. I just don't like her. And we're all guilty of it. We all have our preferences. People that we like to see in office, people that we don't. You know, when George W. Bush was in office, the elites among us didn't like him. He sounded like kind of a country bumpkin. I don't trust this guy. I think he's a globalist. Then Barack Obama shows up and all of a sudden says, hey, look at us. How cool are we? We got a black president. And he's, he's well-spoken. He and his wife are married. They have a couple of daughters. And this is great family values and whatever. And then Donald Trump shows up and he's a blowhard. He has orange hair, orange man, bad and all that stuff. But you can find something in every one of the 46 presidents who have been the president of the United States and ask the question, was it their personality that people are responding to or were it, was it their policies? Was it the principles or the politics? And so I started... When this program first began, Barack Obama was president of the United States. We started on September 19, 2011. And Barack Obama was very, very popular with more left-leaning and liberal types. And he was very, very unpopular with, with conservatives and a lot of fundamentalist Christians. And every time we would do the program and do a segment on the president, it was amazing to me how many people, all you had to do was say, President Obama, and the phones would ring up, I don't like that guy, or oh, I love that guy, he's great. But whenever I would mention the policies that were coming from the administration, as opposed to mentioning the name, it's amazing how many people had different opinions. The, the, these uh, man on the street videos, you know, Prager U, they'll go out and they'll take the policies of uh, Bill Clinton and they'll say, hey, you know, Donald Trump policies were bang, 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 bang. And it was either Clinton or Obama that they were actually using. And the students say, oh, it's Donald Trump. Why? That goes a terrible policy and this, that, and the other thing. Say, actually, that was Barack Obama. Actually, that was Bill Clinton. Oh, really? Oh, oh, oh. And then they realized that they, if they had just been listening to what the policy was and just looked at the principles and didn't take a, pay any attention to the personalities of the politics, they had a totally different opinion. We are a lot... We have a lot more in common, brothers and sisters, than a lot of people would like to think. So this is to the caller who called in a couple weeks ago and said, why do you mention the presidents by number instead of by name? That's the reason why. I know if I say George W. Bush did this or Ronald Reagan did that. If I say Ronald Reagan, most all of our listeners go, oh, yeah, Ronald Reagan, he was great. Uh, not everything Reagan did was great. Most of everything he did was great. But he did some things that I'm sure some people would disagree with. But when you start mentioning them by name, all of a sudden, it's like no one remembers the good things Richard Nixon did. All they remember is that he was going to get impeached. Watergate's all on him, and he had to resign. So the reason I have and continue to use the numbers of the presidents is to look at the policies. It takes us away from their personalities, and it focuses on if we're going to do analysis, balance, and clarity, you can't fight these policies, or these, these personalities. They're larger than life. And so that's the reason.
That's the reason why we do it. Okay, as we continue, kind of a lengthy preamble to get the ball rolling here on the program today. We're going to take a look at the People's Republic of California and ask the question, why have so many people left the state? Our friends at WalletHub did a survey about living conditions in California. And I'll tell you what, California leads the league in a couple of different areas. Like, for example, income growth in California over the past year has been better than any other state in the nation. Other than that, when it comes to home ownership rate, housing costs, uh, population living in poverty, wow, the Golden State is starting to look a little tarnished. And we'll get into the nuts and bolts as to why coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and we're going to do an exercise here now. I, I often mention the governor of California by name. I'm not going to do it for the rest of this half hour. And the reason is back to what I was talking about in the earlier segment about the caller who called in and said, hey, when you mentioned the presidents by number, I, I don't remember which number they are. And I'm right there with you. I, if I didn't have my little cheat sheet, remember, I mean, I'm learning the numbers now. We know who President 46 is in the White House right now. President 45 was before him. And then you could just do the numbers from there. If you know the last 10 presidents in order, that's great. I would never like say, OK, we're going to give away something to the first caller who can identify the 17th president of the United States. It's not like that. I, it's, it's not some kind of cruel, sadistic joke. It really is just so we would focus on the policies and the principles and we move away from the politics and the personalities. OK, now, for some reason, for some people, with President 45, for example, I mean, they like his personality and that's the driving force. I want to stay as objective as I possibly can. So, and I'm going to do the same thing with the governor of California right now, who potentially could be a presidential candidate in 2024 for the Democrat Party. Anyway, living conditions in California. This is a new survey by Wallet Hub. Uh, WalletHub.org, I believe, is their website. And I get these little blasts from our friend Diala. That's WalletHub.com, excuse me. They've done a whole group of uh, studies in terms of just, and they're doing statistical analysis based on data and numbers. They're not asking people their personal opinion. They're taking a look at, um, uh, you know, what, what are the best and worst states to raise a family, which states are the safest, which are the best states to retire in. They've got a whole list of these things. And then they, they talk with people. Robert J. S. Ross, a PhD, a vice president of the Sweat-Free Purchasing Consortium at uh, Clark University. He's the emeritus professor there. And um, Katrin Anaker, who's a professor of George Mason University. And uh, they give recommendations. These, those, those are just two of the academic experts that are looking at this, uh, this question. Um, so Wallet Hub compared 50 states in 52 key indicators of livability. Anywhere from income growth to level of education. I mean, how many people graduate from high school or college or whatever in a certain area. They looked at the quality of the hospitals. They looked at uh, housing costs, of course, went into this. So California, this is just a smattering of the full report. I mean, the full report would be here for hours. But I, I thought that these were the most interesting uh, numbers because some of them are surprising. Some of them are not but the question I think that uh, that we need to uh, take a look at is when the governor of California goes to the national media and they all say, boy, this guy really had it. He nailed COVID. He handled that economic crisis that went with it. Uh, I think he could be if uh, President Biden decides he does not want to be. See, I didn't use number there. Uh, doesn't want to be the run for office again. Maybe there could be, you know, 
uh, Gavin Newsom steps in because he has that look and he's got that sound. And, and California is the fifth largest GDP of any world. I mean, if California became its own country, it'd have its own you know fifth largest GDP in the world, which is kind of true and kind of not true because it is, since it's California gets propped up a lot by stuff from the state, uh, the uh, federal government for the state. And so, you know, all the social services right now, California gets the same money or, you know, same proportion as other states doing it. If they were their own country, they'd have to, re- to negotiate all that. They'd have their own currency. It would be kind of a mess. But anyway, so California in the Wallet Hub survey, based on living conditions, which state has the best overall living conditions? Okay. So best overall living conditions. When it comes to income growth, of late, California is first in the nation. If you want a job that pays well and will continue to expand paying well, California is where you want to be. Um, If you are looking for a state that requires you to put in the time to earn that, I mean, this is going to be good for families, you'd think, because if income growth, they're first. Uh, California is seventh overall in average weekly work hours. Now, there's no indication in this report as to whether or not that's a quality thing. Oh, you, you based on how many hours people want to work. But if you're going to work a lot of hours at that high income growth, then California is a good place to be. Of course, you probably need to have that kind of income because when it comes to housing costs, California is dead last of the 50 states. California, when it comes to housing costs, is 50th in the nation. So you ask this, yourself the question, first and foremost, how can I still afford to be here? <laughs> that's a, I think that's a fair question to ask, especially if you're retired. Boy, if you haven't called Dennis Wilson yet, my goodness, please do. If you have any intention of staying in California, 800-696-9970, let Dennis put you in investments that have guarantees that you will not lose money. There are some investments where if the market's going crazy right now, the return isn't going to be as high as perhaps it would be in high return years. But isn't it nice to know that your your earnings will never go down? Your principal will not be impacted negatively. That's a pretty bold statement to make, but I've worked with Dennis for the past 10 years. I know his industry. I know the way he handles himself in this industry, and that is absolutely true. So you've got first for, uh, first place for uh, income growth and 50th for housing costs. Here's a rather ominous statistic from WalletHub. If California is such a great place to live, why does it rank 49th in home ownership rates of the 50 states? 49th. In other words, if you want to buy a home, and I can guarantee you this, as a matter of fact, this coming weekend, I'll be visiting my oldest daughter and her husband and my grandson as they have moved into and are now settled into their first brand new home. They've been renting for eight years, scrimping and saving, trying to get enough going in Southern California. It didn't work out. They were able to buy a four bedroom, two and a half bath house in Texas, just outside of Houston, for a third of what they would have spent to buy the condo they were living in. I'll tell you what, <laughs> you know, 49th in home ownership, 50th in housing costs, but first in income growth. Is it any surprise then that when it comes to California and poverty, California is 27th in the percentage of population living in poverty. So it's about halfway there. 
we are also first in the nation in number of people. So if our poverty rate is what it is, then that means there are more people who are living in poverty in California than anywhere else. But the good news is there are lots of restaurants and lots of places for us to eat. In California, California is number one in the number of restaurants per capita. And that's saying something because we have the most capitas, the most people. This is also an interesting statistic as well. Remember the big push back in 2013? Well, from 2009 to 2013, President 44 was really hitting hard on the Affordable Care Act, making sure everybody had insurance and insurance, insurance, insurance. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Like your doctor, keep your doctor. See, when I mentioned those policies right there, those turned out to be lies. But what if someone told you, hey, remember when Donald Trump said, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan? Remember when George W. Bush said, hey, whatever? I mean, first and foremost, get to the truth and then take a look. Because I'm sure there are a lot of people, if you told them that Bill Clinton said that, they'd say, oh, no, he would never say that. But Barack Obama did. And it was a lie. Both of those were lies. Four Pinocchios from the Washington Post lies. The percentage of insured population in California ranks us 21st in the nation. You should be first, right? If we have the best economy and the best of everything else, it should be number one. But it's not. And for every push that we had to get everybody jabbed to prevent COVID, especially now when you consider that now the CDC is walking back some of their earlier claims, California is actually 12th out of all 50 states in the percentage of residents age 12 and up who are fully vaccinated against COVID. We'll put this whole article up at thebottomlineshow.com. Got some final thoughts as to what it means for us Californians in just a moment as the bottom line continues. By investing in the Wilson Financial Services 4D or four-dimensional account, your investment is guaranteed against loss. It provides long-term care benefits, permanent income benefits, and inflation benefits all at the same time. You know, I had a client come in this morning and the first thing he asked me was, tell me about 4D money. And I said, well, 4D money is a fun thing. It's exactly the opposite of what you have now with your one-dimensional account with Ameritrade. You've been watching that thing drop like a rock since the first of the year. You're probably fed up with it. I said, this account, number one, the money never goes down. Number two, it has inflation benefits. Number three, it has long-term care benefits. Number four, it has permanent income benefits. And so when you put all these things on the same page and show it to a client, it sounds too good to be true. And that was his comment to me. I said, well, you know me a long time. You know it's true. I don't make stuff up. So he met with Tess, and we moved his Ameritrade account in a matter of 30 minutes. Ask Dennis Wilson and his team at Wilson Financial Services to explain the four dimensions of their 4D account. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, taking a look at this fascinating study from our friends at WalletHub.com about California's living conditions and where we in the Golden State rank, first in income growth, first in restaurants per capita, seventh in average weekly work hours, but then we drop to 12th when it comes to percentage of residents who are fully vaccinated, 21st in the percentage of population who is insured, 27th in population in poverty, 33rd of adults in fair or poor health, that means we're pretty healthy, 49th in home ownership rate, and 50th in housing costs. Fascinating to see how well we are or are not doing in those regards. But again, if you want to look at your governor as a potential presidential candidate and ask the question, well, how's he managing things at home? 
Uh, there's a pretty good answer for you right there. Uh, California has priced so many people out of the market that this is the first year now with the new Congress that will be elected to take uh, uh, their seats in January 2023. California will have one fewer uh member of Congress there because the population has dropped by over 700,000 people over the past decade and continues to drop. By the way, 8% of the population uh, will move this year uh, from one state to another. The question is, are they moving away from things or are they moving to other things? We've got a link for this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, I've been reading with great interest uh, over the weekend about the number of Americans who were left behind in Afghanistan and uh, there were well over 800 of them that have been rather quietly and somewhat privately evacuated out of Afghanistan over the past year. Of course, Afghanistan is one of the places where in the Middle East where Christianity is growing like crazy. And uh, it's not surprising that the enemy would, would take hold of an American government and encourage them to, uh, to leave. You know, just leave the weapons, leave the money, leave their fellow citizens behind and basically leave uh, <laughs> leave the Taliban to run things. It's a it's fascinating. Afghanistan is the second uh, place of hotbed for Christianity. Uh, but the number one place in the Middle East right now where Christianity is growing like crazy is in Iran. And on the other side of this break, I want to revisit a conversation I had uh, last year right after the uh, invasion or the i should say the, the the desolation and the retreat from afghanistan i talked with dr hamaz shariat who is the uh, author of a book called iran's great awakening how god is using a muslim convert to spark revival uh, it's a fascinating book we had a chance to meet at the national religious broadcasters convention last summer in dallas texas uh, this is a book that uh, has really spurred on a lot of american christians to take this evangelism seriously. We do have a copy of the book to give away, by the way. Um, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Dr. Hamoz Shariat coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, a special guest is joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I'm joined for this segment by Dr. Harmoz Shariat. And if you are not familiar with the ministry that Dr. Shariat is the founder and leader of, it's called uh, Iran Alive Ministries. We've got a link for their website up at thebottomlineshow.com. You will be so inspired by the testimony you're about to hear. Dr. Harmoz Shariat, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Well, thank you so much, for Roger, for inviting me. Well, it's good to have you on the program here as we're doing our studio-to-studio thing from uh, different states, Um, but realizing that you have such a fascinating testimony, and when I read that you are the man who is often referred to as the Billy Graham to the Islamic world or to the Iranian people, I thought, well, now that's a small undertaking. (laughs) Just kind of kidding, because there are how many millions of people in Iran right now are basically kind of, I guess as you would say, in bondage to Islam, and you're hoping to liberate well, there are 80-some millions uh, in Iran, but the Farsi-speaking world is bigger than Iran. It includes Afghanistan, Tajikistan, and others. And, uh, but Iran is a very special place these days. Why? Because Iranians as a nation have rejected Islam. And it's not just my claim. There was a solid research last year done by two university professors in Europe. They asked about 50,000 Iranians, what do you believe? And are you ready to be shocked? Because I've been saying this statement that Iran is no longer an Islamic nation. And Mm. now here I have proof. That research showed less than 
Can you believe it? Less than one third of Iranians said we believe in Islam. Wow. So Iran is not a nation. Well, that that is good news to hear. Now, the question, though, is what kind of religion are they turning to? Are they becoming more irreligious or is there a great awakening, as you write about in your book, uh, for the hearing the gospel, receiving the good news of Jesus Christ? Good question. Uh, that research showed another one third are hurt by religion and they are saying either there is no God or the God doesn't is not important part of our lives. The third part, which is another one third, they are all over the place. They're looking everywhere except Islam. They're looking into mm. Christianity. They're looking into Eastern religions. They are looking into new age type of religions. They are looking and they are and we are presenting them with the gospel. One thing, when you present Jesus clearly, he has no competition. That's why we see Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world. They have rejected Islam and they're looking. And here, they, when they look at Jesus, Jesus is nothing like Islam. Anything that Islam is not, Jesus is. Mm. Jesus is full of love. Yes. He, he gave his life, you know, in Islam, they ask you to give your life for Allah. Here, God, in Jesus, he sacrificed his life. So everything, love, for example, there is no love in Islam. So when we present through our satellite television, as you know, we have a 24-7 satellite broadcast. We go over the heads of the mullahs using satellite television into people's homes, and they are open to the gospel. Love to hear that. I'm talking with Dr. Hermos Shariat today here on The Bottom Line with Iran Alive Ministries, and he's the author of a brand new book for us. Anyway, it's been out for a little while, but uh, it's one that I just became aware of not too long ago. The book is called Iran's Great Awakening, How God is Using a Muslim Convert to Spark Revival. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Shariat, let's talk about your journey. I mean, how you got to the position where you are, because oftentimes you've got obviously have the knowledge of what's happening with the Iranian people and more maybe more uh, directly the uh, people who speak Farsi, but your journey to the Christian faith is a bit unusual in that uh, it, it, it happened when you were somewhat younger, but you were something of a skeptic. Talk about what your family's experience taught you about the Islamic tradition and how God got a hold of you to make you a Christian. Yeah, of course, I was born in Iran uh, as a Muslim. I was pretty devout in my early years. But in my teenage years, I said, this thing doesn't make sense. You memorize these prayers and you repeat them five times a day. Let me just be a good person and pursue my dream. My dream was come to United States, get a PhD and be a research scientist. So I work hard towards that. And the time of revolution, I was in Iran. I was on the streets shouting death to America, death to Shah. And by the way, of, of course, I've changed my mindset about America. Uh, I, I sing God bless America today, and I mean it. Amen. But I came to the United States. I went to University of Southern California. That's right after revolution. I said, I have ignored Islam. I need to be a good Muslim. Look, Islam is taking over the world. It defeated superpower USA. So let me devote myself to serving Islam. But I said, but you... It didn't do anything for me. So let me study as a as an intellectual kind of person. I said, I'm going to study Quran one more time. And if it's true, I'm going to serve Islam. I read Quran. It did not satisfy my soul. Where is God? How does he relate with, to my daily life? No answer. So being an open minded person, I thought I was. I said, I'm going to read a Bible also if they 
saying God has written that book. When I started reading Matthew, that's when things happened. I encountered Jesus, who is not the Jesus of Quran, and I struggled for a few months until I heard a simple message of the gospel that God loves you, you cannot reach him, but he reached out to you. As simple as that. I heard that and I responded to that. My life was transformed. Now, I got excited, Roger. I said, this simple message, even a child understands. You don't need to have a PhD like I had. Mm -hmm. A child can understand it, and but it's powerful to change lives. It changed mine. To save marriages, it saved my marriage, and it has power to change nations. So I got excited. I need to tell people about this message. And I started sharing the gospel with Muslims. And the Lord's grace was on me. You know, I don't call myself Billy Graham of Iran because Iran is so ready. You just shared the gospel and you too can become <laughs> Billy Graham of Iran. Iran. Iranians are so open, Roger, supernaturally open to the message of the gospel. And Jesus appears to them in visions, dreams, and miracles anyway. Yeah, and I th I, I'm biblically jealous of that fact, quite frankly, Dr. Shariat, the fact that there are so many people having those radical transformations, having grown up in a Christian home and came to faith in a much less dramatic way. But I also understand, too, that one of the things that I have working against me as an American Christian is the fact that I did not grow up in a country where it was just assumed that I was, well, I'm a Christian because I was born in America, the same way it was assumed, assumed and even presumed that you, Dr. Hermos Shariat, were Muslim simply because you were born in Iran. And I know that one of the things that uh, that really riveted you and, and actually uh, kind of galvanized your desire to be this great evangelist was a personal tragedy involving your brother. I wonder if you'd share that story with us. Yes, I was a new believer in the U.S. and I was praying for my family members and they were not Christians yet. By God's grace, most of them are Christians today. Oh, that's great. But at that time, I prayed for my brother. My brother was 16-year-old. He was arrested by the government of Iran, the Islamic government, for minor political charges. He wasn't a Christian. And they kept him in jail for two years. They were telling my mom, oh, we're going to release him soon. Don't worry. And when he turned 18, they called my mom and said, we just executed him. We just wow. shot him. Come and get his body. And my mom had to pay for the bullets that killed her son. Oh. When I heard that, I was shocked. And I was grieving for a few days and asking God, what going on what can i do god this is injustice i am i want to take revenge and i re remember that the bible says yes god you said you have to even love your enemies oh god um, i'm angry i'm so angry at them oh you you said you cannot be angry because you kill people in your heart if you're angry. So I asked God, God, what kind of faith is this? When you see injustice, what should I do? I want to do something. They killed my brother. But uh, funny, I asked God, can I at least cuss uh, a little bit so I can? <laughs> I, not that I'm encouraging profanity, but uh, yeah, I can, I can see why you would be that upset, Dr. Shariat. Yeah, well... When I heard the news of my brother, I went to days of mourning. I just was grieved. God, you saved my family. And here my brother is, is killed. What should I do? And uh, that's when I, I realized I need to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, God told me during that uh, three days of mourning, he, uh, he told me, you, you don't need to hate those because those are your, you're not your enemies. You love your enemies. Right. So I said, what 
God, what should I do? I can't even cuss. So what should I do? <laughs> I felt God said this. Number one, those who killed your brother, they are not your enemies. They are victims in the hands of one enemy, which is Satan. Have compassion over them. Don't hate those people who killed your brother. They need to be saved. God loves them and they need to be saved. Number two, God told me, if you want to hurt the enemy, which is Satan, you know what to do. So what, what is it, God? He said, evangelize, share the gospel. That's the only way you can hurt Satan. Uh, bringing those who are enslaved to Satan to the salvation. And we know when one person comes to Christ, there is rejoicing in heaven, you know, angels are rejoicing. So probably there is a mourning in the course of hell. So I dedicated my life to sharing the gospel at that time to uh, with the gospel with, with the muslims and i went big roger i said god if you if i want to dedicate my life to evangelism would you use me to bring one million muslims to christ oh, i did not know what i was talking about uh, but god has been gracious he gave us this satellite television the last 20 years we have about seventy thousand uh, people who have contacted us and have prayed to receive christ probably multiple of that uh, come to christ they have not contacted us yet so i'm praying for one million muslims to come to christ and i told god god you know me i i'm an introvert i'm an engineer <laughs> i'm shy i'm more comfortable with books than people but because there is such a power in the board in the gospel i will share the gospel and i'm selfish if i don't so even though it was hard for me i sh started sharing the gospel you know what i found I found it doesn't matter. I'm shy. It doesn't matter. I'm not speaking well. I'm not connecting with people. The power is not in me. The power is in the well, gospel. I remember, uh, let me share you this, this story. I, went, I, was, uh, I signed up for Evangelism Explosion. And, you know, they take you to, uh, a, a coach takes you to door to door to share the gospel and they start giving you parts and pieces so one night it was my turn my coach told me this is the night you share the gospel the whole gospel i never forget that night i was in a sitting room uh, living room of, of a person and i he said you share the gospel i i just wanted to recite my lesson i didn't care about that person to be saved or not I was not even making eye contact. I was looking at the carpet and remembering the verses, the points that the, my coach had taught me. And at the end, there was an invitation. I'm still looking down. I'm still looking at the carpet and I'm all halfway close my eyes. Okay, do you want to believe in Jesus tonight? And I heard, yes, I do. I was shocked. I, who, who said that? Oh yeah, you are here. I shared the gospel with you. You want to come to Christ. That night, I never forget because God proved to me the power is in the gospel. Amen. Even though I did not make eye contact, I was talking to the carpet, the gospel still worked. And that guy got saved that night. I believe in the power of the gospel to transform lives. That's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel, as Paul says, because yeah. it's able to transform nations. Why should I keep it to myself? 
Dr. Hamoud Shariat is my guest today here on the bottom line with Iran Alive Ministries. IranAliveMinistries.org is the website. We've also got a link up for the book called Iran's Great Awakening, How God is Using a Muslim Convert to Spark Revival. We've got a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Dr. Hamoud Shariat is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Iran's Great Awakening, How God is Using a Muslim Convert to Spark Revival. We've got a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com as well as information on how you can contact. And I, I have to uh, offer a disclaimer here, Dr. Shariat. In the earlier segment, I referred to you as the Billy Graham of Iran, and you said, well, now, you know, you were very humble and very kind. It was Joel Rosenberg, I believe, who actually gave you that title. So I, I'm not going to back away from it, but we'll let, we'll do Proverbs 27 here. Let somebody else praise you. How about that? Is that okay? Because that sounds straight, good. Okay, nice very good. <laughs> now, I understand in addition to the television ministry, too, there's an easy way that our listeners can utilize their mobile device to uh, reach out to you and it's much simpler than pounding in the uh, uh, the web address that I just gave talk about that. yes yes if you if you text the word Iran I-R-A-N to this number uh, 50700 so okay. instead of putting a person's phone number just put 50700 and text the word Iran what you get is a set of links and links to some great testimonies that will encourage you the links to our website link to where you can order the book with any amount of donation and by the way it's not going to help me at all personally it's going to help our ministry so do that text text iran iran to 50700 you get a set of links then you can go ahead with with your interest with those links I appreciate you sharing that. It's such an easy way. And so many people, as we hear from our friend Craig Harris through the Bible, how many people with mobile devices are, are seeing ministry happen uh, literally right in the palms of their hands. And so we're grateful to have that opportunity to share. Uh, we were talking before the break, Dr. Shariat, about the fact that Iran is the of the Persian-speaking people, uh, the Persian nations. Iran is the one that has, has seen the fastest growth of evangelical Christians in the entire world. I was very surprised to find out through your research, which I got on your website, that Afghanistan is number two on that list. Now, when you see what's happening in the world around us, especially with the U.S. troop withdrawal and everything like that, um, does that give you hope? Does it give you encouragement? Or does it give you a little bit of concern that things might be tough for these new Christians in these uh, Persian areas? Well, it is tough for Christians in those nations. But the positive thing, this is history in the happening. Muslim nations like Iran and then Afghanistan are open to the gospel. And you know, Roger, history does show us that these open heavens, this open period of history when a nation becomes open, does not last long. It opens up like when Japan was after the World War II or Russia after the Prostryka. Um, they last maybe a few years, a year to two years. So we as Christians, we need to be alert of what God is doing. That's what Jesus says, work while it is day. Amen. There, there is an open invitation of God for us to work with him. This is a historical moment. If we work together, Roger, if we are working together, Jesus is doing his part in Iran. If we work together, Iran can be a Christian nation, even within a generation. People are open and ready, and they may not be in five years from now. Let, let's do our part. You know, sometimes I feel Jesus telling us like this. He says, what else can I do? I died for Muslims. I love them so much I died for them. 
I opened their hearts in Iran as a nation. They have rejected Islam open to the gospel. Jesus says, I did that. I used hardship to open their hearts. By the way, I'm appearing to them in personal visions and dreams and miracles. What else can I do? You go ahead and do your part, which is sharing the gospel. God has prepared the nation. Why don't we do our part? Just share the gospel and we will see a nation that we will see Iran as a Islamic nation. The first Islamic nation that turns to Christ will be Iran. Why? Because it is promised in Jeremiah 49, 38. Sometimes I say Iran will be a Christian nation. People say, are you crazy? Where did you get that idea? I tell them I stole it. You stole it from where? <laughs> I stole it from God in Jeremiah 49, 38. Mm, I love it. I will set my throne in Elam, declares the Lord. There, there it is. And and we see it, and, and yet it's happening. And I think one of the things that has really just knocked me off my feet, uh, Dr. Shariat, is the fact that with the increase of technology, the past 15 years, the advent of the smartphone, everybody's got uh, computers, and things seem to be moving so much quicker. In the same way, technological advances are making the spread of information move that much quicker. What you're seeing is in terms of evangelism with the outreach of your uh, uh, Christian satellite TV and the like, the, you've seen more Persians come to Christ in the last three decades than there have in the past 14 centuries. And the past 10 years have just been kind of a whirlwind in terms of uh, people reaching out for the gospel and responding. Talk about that. Uh, technology is, uh, is a warfare. The other side, uh, our enemies, they use technology. You know, in China, they have this technology of, with uh, cameras, they can identify you wherever you are. And Iran, Iranian government using the oil money to use that to control the people. So there is a technological war. We can use it for our own side. We can bypass those. We can reach out people in the privacy of their homes. And through satellite television, of course, online in Iran is controlled by the government. It's a, it's dangerous, but uh, let's use what God has given us for, for good. You know, media, for example, can be used to destroy a culture. We have seen that destructiveness yes. in, in the West, but it can also be used to save a nation. And that's what God, we are doing. When I talk about satellite Christian television, I'm not talking the Western style. Uh, it's, it has a negative, have, many people have a negative view of Christian programming, but we, I'm talking about a lifeline into people's homes when we give them hope, we give them good news, and they come to Christ and their lives are transformed by the, by the gospel. It's transformed such a dramatic way. Roger, it's in Iran, when one person comes to Christ, it's normal that the rest of the family come to Christ. Wow. It's usually that way. Mm, how interesting. It's, so, uh, it's kind of the antithesis of the American model where you might see somebody who comes to an event or, or gets a hold of a book like yours, Rand's Great Awakening, or goes to your website and they'll pray a prayer of, uh, you know, surrendering their life to the Lord. And then the first question they ask is, how do I witness to my family? Because they think I'm crazy now, but rather what you're seeing is the exact opposite. You might, uh, one conversion might lead to 10 more, almost instantaneously. And that's what we're seeing all the time. And you talk about the acceleration. Um, we have been on the air for 20 years. What, and you talked about, you know, what, uh, the number of Christians, uh, Muslims coming to Christ is more than the previous 1400 years. But let me share this with you. The last two years, 
the number of salvations we are seeing in two years is more than we, we have seen in the previous 18 years. Wow. It, uh, there is an acceleration of salvations in Iran since COVID came. Of course, before that, they were miserable life. The, the, many of them were killed by the Iranian government in the previous month. But since last year, we are seeing 10 to 20 times growth in the number of salvations. Incredible, incredible growth, incredible ministry, incredible outreach. And uh, I think you may find that million uh, Muslims for Christ's goal might be a little uh, a little light. Maybe maybe you need to go back and revise it at some point, Dr. Hamos Shuriat with Iran Alive Ministries. Uh, the book is called Iran's Great Awakening, How God is Using a Muslim Convert to Spark Revival. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Also, if you want to get in touch with Iran Alive Ministries, it's really very simple. I'll make sure I took my, the, my notes, Dr. Shuriat. You text the word Iran, I-R-A-N, to 50700, and you'll get all the information you need right there in one uh, just one text. We'll take care of all of it. Wonderful. Okay, very good. Dr. Harmoz Shariat, great to get to spend some more time with you today here on the program. Appreciate your ministry. We're praying for you and your entire family. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger. God bless you. You're doing a great job. And that concludes my conversation with Dr. Hamoz Shariat today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, we met in Dallas and had a chance to catch up by phone right around the time of the, uh, the U.S. withdrawal, the massive withdrawal from Afghanistan, to talk about how God is using Afghanistan and also Iran as places of great uh, evangelism and uh, just a tremendous opportunity for we in the body of Christ to, uh, to stand with our brothers and sisters there who are brand new in their faith and uh, putting their lives on the line. Uh, the brand new book from Dr. Homo Shuriat is called Iran's Great Awakening, How God is Using a Muslim Convert to Spark Revival. We have one copy of that book to give away, by the way. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, uh, some updates on what's happening with Afghanistan and uh, why it's important for us to continue to be in prayer for Christians all around the world, but especially in the areas of Iran and Afghanistan. Coming up next, as the bottom line continues. Here at K-Bright, we are proud to recommend Stephanie and Jim Cover of Cover Law because they take such good care of their clients. I was coming home. It was like two days before Christmas. And I was sitting at the bottom of a hill and somebody just came smashing into me. Like they didn't even break or anything. They were coming down a steep hill. The people that hit me had no insurance, no license, no proof of anything. I had a lot going on in my life at the, at the time. I was busy at work. I was doing a lot of overtime. My husband came down with cancer. That was really a hard point in my life for my husband and I. She was by my side trying to help me through the accident and giving me personal support and telling me to keep the faith. And I was all ready like to, you know, throw in the towel. And she, she just kept me going. They're just hardworking people. They know their stuff. They're very educated. They make you feel comfortable. They stick with you all the way. I used them as attorneys. Now they're friends. And once in a while, I tease them. Do I need to get in trouble so I could retain you guys? <laughs> I'd do anything to help those guys. I highly recommend them. I mean, I haven't had need for an attorney before, and I fell into the right hands. In the event of an accident, call Cover Law right away, 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. My thanks again to Dr. Hamoz Shariat, the founder of uh, uh, Iran Alive Ministries and the uh, author of this powerful new book, 
called Iran's Great Awakening, how God is using a Muslim convert to spark revival uh, as we hear about what's happening in Afghanistan and the reports that continue to come out one year after the, the U.S. decided to pull out and just basically leave weapons and people behind. Um, we realize that uh, Afghanistan is the second most Christian nation in the Middle East. I mean, the, the rise of Christianity has been growing uh, like crazy. Afghanistan number two, Iran number one, hence revisiting this conversation with Dr. Hamoz Shariat today here on The Bottom Line. We have a copy of his book called Iran's Great Awakening, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Uh, Teresa standing by to take your calls. Uh, reports last week as we've been kind of digging deeper into what the United States did in Afghanistan and why it's important, uh, reports from the, uh, the State Department that over 800 Americans were left behind and have since been evacuated over the past year. Completely inexcusable, uh, reprehensible what the U.S. did with those people and with the weaponry and with the money that they left behind and the way that our government under President 44 and 46 dealt with Iran and President 45 stood up to them toe to toe. Uh, who do we need to be the president of the United States for President 47 uh, coming up in uh, in the election of 2024 is someone who treats the Middle East with the respect that it deserves. And in some cases, their respect begins with the Judeo-Christian values that are received worldwide reflected by Israel and the United States. And that is the bottom line on that. Uh, for our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we've got uh, Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up. For those who remain with us here on the network, on the other side of this break, a major city in the uh, United States is going without uh, natural gas. <laughs> They're going to be gas-free by 2035. What does it mean for our Candace N listeners in San Diego? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, or welcome if you're just joining us. I'm good to have you along for the ride for this next half hour. We've got a couple of stories to talk about that have a bit of a San Diego feel, but will be of, a, of interest to all of the members of our Bottom Line Show audience, especially as we consider the fact that uh, the governor of California right now all of a sudden is trying to find a way to restart Diablo Canyon. Well, Diablo Canyon never went away. I mean, <laughs> Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant. My first radio job was at Atascadero, uh, right along the central coast, KIQO, Q104.5 FM. And I worked there for about nine months. And all I remember was all the Cal Poly students, some of the Cuesta College students would always be down at Diablo Canyon. And what would they do? They'd be protesting. Stop the Diablo Canyon bumper stickers everywhere. There's a reason why they call it Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant. And now all of a sudden the governor says, yeah, well, we shut down San Onofre, but then we realized we had no place to take the waste. We couldn't recycle any of the machinery. So maybe clean energy isn't such a bad idea. And now they're trying to find a way to extend the life of Diablo Canyon by another uh, decade or so. That was in the L.A. Times. Uh, you can you can look that one up. But the climate action plan that was set up by the city of San Diego uh, has a rather ambitious goal. They want to update uh, by retrofitting 90% of the buildings, including homes. They still don't know how the cost estimate is going to factor in. But here's one of the deals. Basically... They want to get a net zero greenhouse gas emission place in place by 2035. The idea is to decarbonize the transportation sector and basically to say we want people to just leave their cars altogether. Now, one thing I do appreciate about this plan is the fact that they're not saying, hey, let's get rid of your gas burning car and replace it with a 
green-sounding electric car, even though that electric car is not biodegradable, it does not dissolve in the landfill, it's not recyclable, and it isn't even really transferable. Once the engine dies, the whole battery's shot. The fact that they're saying, hey, we're, if we're going to take on this challenge of reaching net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2035, then we want people out of cars altogether. But there's one aspect of this. This is kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting. If you've ever lived in a place that was all electric, did you ever ask the question, well, is it possible for me to get natural gas here or why is it all electric? And most homes in America have a combination of the two, it's natural gas and electricity. If there's only one, it's electricity. And oftentimes that may have been the case simply because the electric company came in and said, we want to do all the electricity here. We want to do all the power here. We'll, we'll, we'll provide it. We'll, we'll monopolize it. I recall living in an older place one time and they were doing some demo work and the guy who was doing the demo work in the kitchen asked me, he said, do you want to go with a gas stove here or a, an electric one? I said, well, it's all electric, right? He goes, no, here's the gas valve. Here's the hookup right here. And apparently they had gone to go either way but the electric company came in and snaked out Southern California Gas Company, and they wound up getting the gig. Encinitas has adopted a new plan where they do not allow for any hookups for natural gas in any new construction. And now the city council of San Diego is saying, we want to do this for the entire county. Basically, we if we're going to slash 90% of natural gas usage in buildings... Well, that means we start by saying any new construction by 2035, no more natural gas hookups. But now we're going to try to take at least 90% of the natural gas gas in existing buildings and get rid of it. Um, by the way, in case you were wondering, the existing building part includes your residential home. Now, it's interesting because um, <laughs> Berkeley, Northern California course uh seattle denver they're moving away from natural gas they're trying to push to all electric san diego's policy though is interesting because in those other cities while they're trying to push for all electric they're not eliminating natural gas san diego's would be unique in that front so what does that mean for electrical grids? What does that mean for tax incentives? How do you just tell people we're not going to give you that option anymore? Well, that remains to be seen. But it will be interesting to see what the city of San Diego does and how it becomes potentially the forerunner for more opportunities for people to uh, go green, if you will, zero, net zero carbon emissions by going all electric. We'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. You can dig in for yourself. And what does that mean for the folks who work at uh, San Diego, or well, SDG&E, San Diego Gas and Electric? 65% of their residential co customers have a natural gas hookup in their homes. So uh, <laughs> needless to say, there are very few specifics, but there's a lot of big promises, and especially during an election year. Like I said, the link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Speaking of big promises... And this is an election year, but it doesn't have anything to do with what pastors are doing. On the other side of this break, Jeremy McGarity is going to join me. Jeremy is the lead pastor at Skyline Church in San Diego. 
He's also the host of Skyline Radio, which is heard uh, right here in Southern California on KBright at 6 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on AM 740 and uh, AM 1240, and also on KCBC, of course, uh, every weekday at 12.30. So if you're listening to The Bottom Line Show, rewind right now on KCBC. Uh, just know that since we ended at 11 o'clock, 90 minutes from now, you'll hear Jeremy McGarity and... Uh, uh, Skyline Radio from Skyline Church in San Diego. On the other side of this break, Jeremy and I are going to talk about his 10-10-10 initiative for the church and how well it's going. And let me give you a hint. It's going better than I think this natural gas thing with the city of San Diego is going to go. Let's find out the details. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. Do something productive with your money over the next three years. Invest in Dennis Wilson's real estate-backed 6% CD alternative. You know, with the current administration, you've got three things that you can do. You can stay in the market for the next three years and watch your account go up and down and see what happens. Option two is take your money, put it in the money market, and hold on to it, and hope that the Fed raises interest rates. Or number three, you can put your money into our exclusive 6% account. You've got your money safe and sound in a hard asset over the next three years. At the end of three years, you evaluate where you want to be. You want to try the market? You go back. You want to put it into a CD? You go back. Or you just want to reinvest for another three years at 6%. But in the interim, you have made 6% for three years instead of zero. Instead of riding the up and down elevator of the market or leaving your money in the bank earning nothing, you could earn 6% over the next three years guaranteed with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Joined for a special segment today here on The Bottom Line by Pastor Jeremy McGarity. Dr. McGarity is the lead pastor at Skyline Church here in the San Diego area. He's also the host of Skyline Radio, which airs on our flagship affiliate KBRT, weekday mornings at 6 a.m. and weeknights at 6.30 p.m. And because we are just right around baseball deadline time, we may talk more about uh, the trading deadlines and things that are happening with the Padres. That, well, no, we'll talk about the kingdom, too. Pastor Jeremy McGarity, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Uh, thank you, Roger. Good to be with you. It's good to be with you, too. I mean, we'll get this out of the way. You're a diehard Padres fan. You played in the uh, Cardinal system for a number of years, uh, Rangers, etc. Um, I know that because you love baseball, the Padres made out like bandits at the trading deadline. Does that, that make you feel good? This is Christmas in August for Padres. <laughs> <laughs> it love really it. is. I mean, we're so fired up. I mean, uh, the text messages, we're going back and forth, all of our Padre buddies. It is an exciting time because... Yeah. You know, the Dodgers have had the upper hand on us for so long, and this is one of those things that long-term it looks like we can finally start to match up with their lineup. Yeah. And, and we're just – we're giddy. We're like a bunch of kids. Right. giddy right now <laughs> uh, getting Juan Soto and Josh Bell and yeah. uh, Josh Hader. I mean, we, we just built a team, like, mm -hmm. in, in a matter of hours that yeah. is phenomenal. Uh, very excited about that. Well, and, you, and you talk about sins of commission and sins of omission. The fact that you didn't get Joey Gallo too may be a big plus. As yeah. well. So I, <laughs> I, I, I had, you know what? Preller likes him a lot because yeah. yeah. he was with them in Texas organization. And so, yeah, that was like, are we going to get Gallo? I, uh, uh, so. Yeah. I, always, he's a bridesmaid today. That's for sure. Hey, let's talk about the Skyline radio program. We've loved having it here at the bottom line or show affiliates. And I know that you're into your second year with us now, the 6 a.m. in the morning on AM 740 and AM 1240, and then also 6.30 p.m. In, in the evening. At a time when a lot of ministries are going more podcast and multi-platform, you made the decision to say, hey, we're going to go terrestrial radio. Talk about why that's so important, not only for your ministry, but also for the church, too. Yeah, it's been incredible for us. You know, we certainly weren't sure uh, going into it, but just really felt like it would be a, another opportunity to outreach. 
and another opportunity to get the word out and not not sure what kind of return we might have on that. Just knowing it's important to have the seed of the word of God and, and people that be able to have an opportunity to receive it. And, you know, the response has been tremendous uh, every Sunday. It, it, I can't remember a Sunday right now that I haven't had someone come up to me and say, hey, we, we heard you on the radio and we wanted to come see the church. Love it. And that has been an awesome gateway that I, I really wasn't sure if I could expect that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that people are coming and people are looking for a church and even people that don't, you know, don't have a church, they're not, we're not just talking about swapping fish from aquarium to aquarium. We're, we're right. talking about people that don't have a church home and people that stumble across the program one way or another um, that are coming to church. And I got to tell you this one, cause I have this letter here. Um, it's over here. That is so powerful. This letter right here that I got from someone in jail. And I got to tell you the story about how this, how he heard the program. He was listening to an angels game. He's up in uh, Santa Ana uh-huh. jail there. He was listening to an angels game and it was going in and out fuzzy. And he said, I heard this, this preacher and it was kind of cutting in. And so, and there was a laughter in the church and he goes, I've never heard laughter in the church before. So I, <laughs> I said, who is this? Who is this guy? And he uh-huh. tuned it to our program and he listened to the whole thing and he gave his life to Christ. And he wow. wrote a long letter about tuning in every night now, every single time he's able to, and how, you know, we sent him a bunch of resources. And so he gave his life to Christ uh, through in jail listening. Mm. I guess they can listen to the radio apparently. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he, um, he tells me this long story about his whole life and how listening to the program as we shared the word of God uh, changed his life. And I, I, I just think, man, that's worth it. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Well, Skyline Radio, weekday mornings at 6 a.m., weeknights at 6.30 p.m. on K-Bright AM 740 in Orange County and AM 1240 in San Diego. And Pastor Jeremy McGarity, who's the Bible teacher on Skyline Radio, uh, the lead pastor at Skyline Church, is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. You know, I, I've heard from so many different ministry leaders, and it seems like when it comes to the, the local congregational church, the churches are falling into two categories. There are churches that are struggling, they're hanging on, they're trying to merge, they're doing whatever they can. And in some cases, they're just flat out, you know, they're, they're losing their pastor, they're losing their property, whatever. It's been a really tough go the past couple of years. And then some of the other ministries, many of the ministries that we have here on K-Bright are saying, you know, I don't want to sound, you know, like we're bragging or anything, but the last two years have been the best years we've ever had, you know, in our ministry. And some of these ministries go 40, 50 years. When last we spoke, you had a vision for what was going to happen through Skyline Church that God had given you. And I wanted to get an update on that. How, how are things going in your initiative? I think it was the 10-10-10 initiative. Correct. Yes, it's been incredible. It truly has. Um, seeing people get behind what is going on in terms of reaching more people. We have made it very clear our mandate as a church is we're to be a church that's on mission. We're not yes. a church that sits around and just kumbaya, and we're going to wait for the Lord to come back. Certainly, we get to fellowship. We get to do all of those things. But we are called to be on mission. And that means we got to we got to care about the people that are outside our walls. And so we're going to do this initiative called 101010, which is reaching having 10 more churches that could be church plants. It could be new satellite churches. Um, um, it could be any of those. We're going to have 10,000 people worshiping in those churches all within 10 years. And so wow. in order to do that, we're trying to make sure we can raise 10 million dollars towards that initiative. And all of that, people got behind. They got behind it, and we started to see tremendous momentum in the giving and then also in um, just the mission, people getting behind the mission. So um, we found a church out in Kansas City 
that uh, is near an area where we had another church plant and the church had closed. So we purchased that church. We have refurbished that church. we got a bunch of families out there, about a dozen from one of our campuses here in San Diego that decided to move, make that their mission. And they are now out there. we got about 50 people on our launch team and we're going to launch a church uh, in Kansas City, Missouri Love it. on September 18th. So that's one of them. We have Arizona, a church closed down in Arizona, called us and gave us their campus. And wow. so we are now in the middle of refurbishing that. We have a pastor for that campus that we just hired. Uh, that one will launch uh, in February 2023. And then we have two church plants in Montana. Montana is a fast growing place with a lot of Californians, of course, mm -hmm. moving there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have a church we're planting in Helena, Montana called Buffalo Church. Mm -hmm. And then we're we're also planting a church in Bozeman, Montana, called Revival Church. Love it. Right downtown Montana. So four of them were off and running, uh, already four towards our goal. And that does we don't even count the four we planted before we started 10, 10, 10, because we planted four right before uh, starting 10, 10, 10. So we have big faith and, and God's blessing that big faith so far. I love that. Pastor Jeremy McGarity is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's the lead pastor at Skylight Church in San Diego. You can hear him on Skyline Radio every weeknight at 6.30 p.m. and every weekday morning at 6 right here on K-Bright AM 740 in Southern California and AM 1240 specifically in San Diego. I, I, I don't know what I was expecting to hear in terms of the update. I, I had a feeling I knew where the numbers were going to go, Jeremy, but the, the idea that you are planting churches where God is leading you as opposed to getting a call committee together, a strategizing community. I mean, I realize this, this is your background, it's your, your area of expertise, but how much of it is, okay, God, we are, I used to work for a nonprofit group where our, uh, our COO used to get down with us whenever we talk about budgets or anything like that. He always left 10 to 15%, as he called it, these are the God spots. This is the blank spot on the balance sheet where we don't know where the money's coming from, but we are going to go where God leads us to. How much of this is you just praying and saying, God, we have open hands and we want to see where the opportunity is? And how much of it is that kind of strategic? Well, this would be a good place for us to plant a church. It really has been that open-handed idea uh, from the beginning. And that's the yeah. term that we've used to say, look, Lord, whatever you want us to do, wherever you want us to go, you know, that bring that to us and we will, we'll, we'll do it. Like, we'll just, yeah. we'll send people, we'll send finances, we'll get behind it. And that's, what's been happening. I mean, certainly the strategy of, you know, 15 minutes from us, 20, 20 minutes from us, uh, we've planted churches in those areas already. And we looked at that strategy as, you know, Hey, a lot of our people are coming from this area. It'd be a great place to be able to plant because we know the statistics, people don't drive typically over 20 minutes uh, to get to their church. And so we planted in those areas and that's, that's strategy and that's wise. And we'll continue to look at that, but we looked at this new initiative more as we don't know where God's going to lead us. We don't know what's going to open up, uh, but you know, we're going to be open to what God says. And so as this Kansas city thing came to us and then the Arizona thing came to us and, 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 Buffalo, uh, Buffalo church and, and the revival church in Montana, you know, we thought, Lord, if you want us to do that, we'll do that. And so we've, we've got our planter, we got the finance together. And then we just sent people say, Hey, just a lot of you are moving out of California. Anyway, mm -hmm. go to Montana and be a part of this mission uh, that God is doing. And so that's been tremendously helpful because people will ask us, Hey, what, what's your next spot? 
And right now we don't have a next spot until God brings it to us. We're saying, right. you know what, we're open to it. Whatever God leads, we'll see. Uh, we want to do a North County thing here in San Diego, but we're just waiting on that as well to see what God does. So it's definitely trying to hear from God and what he wants us to do. I love it. Pastor Jeremy McGarity is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's the lead pastor at Skyline Church. We're talking about the impact of the 101010 initiative with the church. 10 churches, uh, 10 years, $10 million raised to do that. And, you know, I, when I think about that, the, the money involved, especially in places where you're talking about going, uh, it's not cheap to buy property, refurbished buildings and things like that, but it sounds like God is taking your loaves and fish and blessing them mightily in these these areas. Talk about the, the radio broadcast for just a moment as we kind of wrap up our conversation. I mean, you mentioned at the outset, you're hearing from people every week at church. You're, you're hearing from the, the inmate in the Orange County Jail that uh, gave his life to the Lord because of uh, your teaching. Uh, talk about what you see in the future for that too, because it seems like the radio ministry of Skyline Church and Skyline Radio goes hand in glove with your 101010 initiative. Absolutely. Being able to talk about it on the radio and to have that, um, that wider, that wider reach. Uh, and we've said it in some of our messages on the show is this, you know, Hey, if, if you got a group of people and you're in an area, you need a church, talk to us. Like we would love to be able to hear from you. And we have everything set up, ready to go. It's not, it's not necessarily from scratch. We're able to, uh, we have models where we can go in and we can really start to understand that particular community. Each community is different, but at the same time, there are some very clear principles that we have to apply in each setting that really help make it successful. And so that, that kind of outreach is, is help. We've had people come and just say, hey, I heard, I heard about your initiative on the radio and how can I be involved? Like, I want to go to one of these places. And yeah. so we, we talked about that. And uh, of course, we have a couple kind of in the hopper that right now that we're looking at because so many families from our church have moved to these areas. Tennessee is one of them, Nashville, mm -hmm, Franklin. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, and so you look at all these families that have moved out of California because of all these crazy mandates and all the things that have gone on in California. Uh, we say, well, let's not just lose these people. And, and inevitably they get there and they go, There's, I can't find a church or I want my home church. And it's like, yeah, let's let's start something there. And it always starts. It could start small. It doesn't have to be huge right away. And we can go from there. And so that's all help. The radio program has helped get the word out and get people on board as well. Well, your prayers and financial support, of course, keep the, the radio ministry humming, but also this initiative that Skyline Church has, as more and more churches, I know Dr. Tony Evans is doing an online membership for people who are watching because during the pandemic, more and more people were watching online and, and kind of feeling like that was their home church too. So I would I encourage you to check out skylinechurch.org. And if you are in an area that uh, if you, maybe you're, that maybe it's not an easy drive, uh, Skyline in East County, uh, San Diego, but you want to watch and see what's going on, or of course, listen to the radio ministry each and every weekday, six o'clock in the morning, six thirty in the evening on K Bright AM seven forty here in SoCal and uh, AM twelve forty in San Diego. I encourage you to uh, uh, to consider Skyline Church as becoming your home church, or maybe you're going to be part of this ten 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 initiative. And God speaking to your heart right now, Pastor Jeremy McGarity, how can we pray for you and your family during this time of excitement, growth, this real explosive time for Skyline? Yeah, we'll be praying for uh, praying for my son as he's getting married here in, uh, in a couple of weeks. So wow! I'm really thrilled about that. I have three boys, and my oldest is getting married. And congratulations! Uh, we're, we're just really thrilled about that. But uh, yeah, that's coming up, and uh, be praying for that. And uh, and then the, the initiative wise, we are we're definitely praying for that continued uh, finances. We're continuing to pray for the people, 
and and we're continuing to pray that these projects would come together there's a lot of moving parts with with all of that and then just the wisdom mm -hmm. where we're praying for god's wisdom to know the right people in the right places and uh you know and you can, you can just pray for this I mean, I, i'm i've my college san diego christian college phenomenal college um and we i've joined in to try to help that college now, we appreciate your prayers for the college because we are trying to dig out of some past issues that uh, have caused some problems here. But right now, the future is bright. I'm excited about it. And, I, and just as a, a way to advertise for the college, if you're looking for a college, San Diego Christian is it. The only college in San Diego that holds to biblical inerrancy and to the primacy of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're fired up about that. And uh pushing for it. Be praying for that. That'd be awesome. We'd appreciate well, it. I'll tell you what, you said a mouthful there in terms of even these days all across the country, many schools that are quote unquote Christian, call themselves Christian colleges, really don't line up with the inerrancy of scripture. And the fact that San Diego Christian does and is the only one in San Diego proper, uh, this says a lot. And I can understand why the attacks would come fast and furious. And we're praying that God helps them uh, navigate the waters through this time. And I'm great that you, Pastor Jeremy McGarity, are helping out your alma mater, you know, by giving them the props that they deserve in that regard. Pastor Jeremy McGarity, lead pastor Skyline Church, skylinechurch.org, and the Bible teacher you hear on Skyline Radio, uh, weekday mornings at 6 a.m. and weeknights at 6.30 here on K-Bright AM 740 and AM 1240 in San Diego. Uh, Jeremy, always great to spend time with you. Okay. Are you doing the wedding or are you just going to be father of the groom? I'm doing the wedding, so pray okay. for me. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. Both my girls told when they got married, they said, Dad, we want you to walk us down the aisle. That's it. And I'm like, but, but, and they said, no, no. And and I'm glad. That's all I could handle. But you're you're a man among men if you could handle the ceremony and watch your, your son getting married too. Jeremy McGarity with Skyline Church, thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger. It's a pleasure. Great conversation with Jeremy McGarity, the lead pastor at Skyline Church. Uh, Skyline Church's website is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Remember, you can hear Skyline Church weekday afternoons at 12.30 on KCBC, weekday mornings at 6, and weeknights at 6.30 on K-Bright, AM 740 and AM 1240. So final thoughts in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. My thanks again to Pastor Jeremy McGarity, the senior pastor, lead pastor, if you will. I think that's kind of a generational thing. Uh, the younger churches have lead pastors, uh, whereas the churches we went to growing up had senior pastor. Uh, anyway, Jeremy is the main guy at Skyline Church, which is a great history. Jim Garlow before him and um, uh, John Maxwell, of course, uh, came out of Skyline as well. The Skyline radio program is heard weekday mornings at 6 a.m. on K-Bright AM 740 in Southern California, AM 1240 in San Diego. It's heard weekday afternoons at 1230 on KCBC AM 770 in their uh, Bay Area, all the way, well, Central uh, Central Valley all the way up through the nation, the state's capital. And then weeknights again at uh, 6.30 p.m. on K-Bright AM 740 and uh, AM 1240 in San Diego. KBrightRadio.com or Apple Podcasts if you want to pick it up there. And also uh, 770KCBC.com as well. Um, Jeremy's got a great, <coughs> Jeremy has a great outreach and a great heart for ministry. And I appreciate it. And I love the fact that he is looking to build the church not necessarily looking to build his church. I mean, his capital H, not Jeremy's church. And I appreciate that. More and more, as we get closer and closer to the final days and to the Lord's return, we're going to see more and more churches that are just going to fall apart for one reason or another. And that's not the end of the world. Because the name of the game is we're not to go into all the world and to build the church. 
build church buildings, build church programs, build successful opportunities for people to write and publish and speak and travel and this, that, and the other thing. We're to go and make disciples. And those disciples can be anywhere. They can be living in a really nice part of Southern California or the Bay Area. They can also be living in a shotgun shack somewhere. They could be hiding out, fearing for their lives in Afghanistan or in Iran. But the name of the game is we go and make disciples because this world is not our home. Ultimately, home is wherever the Lord is. Until he calls us to him, we go out and preach the good news everywhere we go. That's the bottom line.